You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You've discovered your link to GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast. Now, here's your host, GoPowerCat.com publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to the PowerCat Questions Podcast. We got all four of us stuffed in a tiny room once again this week for your listening pleasure. I am Tim Fitzgerald. To my left, going clockwise. Clockwise. That is 9 o'clock, Zach Carlson. That's midnight, Cole Carmody. And that's 1 a.m., Ryan Gilbert. <laughs> is that going to be his nickname? That's a pretty damn good nickname for midnight. you. Midnight. <laughs> What happens at 1 a.m.? I'm 12 bush lights in. All bought from the fridge wholesale liquor. I was talking about Cole, not Gil. Gil's oh. already has a nickname. Yeah. Well, Gil's can be have two nicknames. I like Midnight Cole. Ooh, I, I see. Yeah. 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 Things get crazy at 1 a.m., though. So Make sure you get into Tanner's. Guys, I'm proud of us. I'm really, really proud of us. We, uh, well, at least... Zach and I adulted last night. We all went out and watched the national championship game. We're recording this on Tuesday, of course. And uh, I left, and I was home. I passed the fridge wholesale liquor before it closed at 11. So I thought, hey, I'm adulting by getting home early. Don't ruin that by stopping and buying liquor. I could have, though. I could have snuck in there like a booze-buying ninja and got exactly what I wanted to been out of there by 11. We were at Tanner's, one of our segment sponsor. I don't know what happened on your TV, but Baylor kicked some ass. I don't know if you were at one of those bars where Gonzaga won, but that must have sucked. <laughs> and unfortunately, the high-low was closed because it was a Monday night. But they're all down there in Aggieville. Make sure you stop in whenever you're in town. Come in for the summer, man. We need some uh, tourism dollars. Just take a little little vacation to Manhattan. Hotel rooms are probably pretty cheap this summer. Come on down. Gawk at the beautiful Aggieville Business District and the new strip of 12th Street that I noticed last night has the traffic pylons, the things that go into the ground so they can block the road. Oh, I know I hadn't noticed that before. Instead of putting up barricades, they see giant metal pylons come out of the earth like transformers and block you from driving into the fun. Do the how do they come up? Are uh, they? Mechanical or are they I think, manual? I think you tickle them. <laughs> okay. I don't know, man. What? Are, what, I, what? I, I didn't. I don't I have any idea. Them. There wasn't anyone standing there. Got any questions about the pylons? Yeah, I don't okay. know. Cecil. All right. It's like, okay. hi, I'm Cecil. I'm in charge of the pylons. I'm here 24 hours a day just in case you need to be put up. <laughs> Hope we got good questions because we're going to answer them. And here's Zach from Contra Cat. What would be the biggest factor in the difference on transfers from the previous administration to today? The visibility in the portal wasn't a thing quite yet. There was little to no communication of transfers out of the program. The previous admin saw higher value in persisting towards a degree and loyalty and commitment. Or D, more player-centric culture than ever before. Well, no, the, the transfer portal just goes back to 18, right? Yeah. I mean... The biggest difference is players can transfer at their own free will. 
I mean, before you had to go ask your coach for permission to change schools, which was absolutely outlandish. They wouldn't really, if you weren't released from a scholarship and you transferred, you couldn't be on scholarship somewhere else. It was, it was awful. And Bill Snyder did that. He would not release guys because he didn't want them to leave. A lot of older coaches did. It was how you ran the programs and kept guys around. But guys left. I'd say guys left it. You know, I don't know about this last pandemic year when things were so weird, but guys left at a really high rate. You just didn't know about it. There wasn't a, a portal where someone could go peek in and say, hey, three K-State guys went into the portal today. It's not how it works. So, And I agree with the last one that I think guys are soft now. Oh, it's too tough. I'm coming out of uh, my second, well, really my first spring practice, and I'm going to be a redshirt freshman, but I'm third on the depth chart. I better leave. I mean, that didn't happen before. I mean, that happened once in a while if you were miserable at a school, but it seems now every kid that's a second-year freshman thinks he should be in the regular rotation, if not a starter. Earn it, buddy! I think of the Tyler Byrne situation uh, a few years ago when he was playing for Coach Snyder and ends up working at Chick-fil-A because of he didn't want to he, – he was buried on the depth chart. He didn't want to play, and that was before the transfer portal, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So how many kids like Tyler Burns were on K-State that just got released from scholarship and never played football again that we don't know about yeah. that probably would have been in the transfer portal? So Tyler was just sick of playing for Coach Snyder. Yeah. That's all it was. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know some people don't like to hear that, but that was it's exactly a lot of people. Was. Uh, yeah. I mean, a lot of guys got to be that way. Uh, you know, and I think I think the world changed, not Coach Snyder. I mean, I think he was still doing things that he had done, and it just didn't work anymore. I mean, they, this, this generation is different. I, I think every generation is. You have to adjust a little bit. And he did make some adjustments, but not with some of the stuff. But, yeah, Tyler quit. Football wasn't any fun anymore. New coach came back, joined the team, and had fun. I don't know. I, I don't really particularly see getting hit upside the head as fun, but, you know, hey, it's, it's kind of like being on a podcast with me. Right, Zach? Yeah. Okay. I've, I've, mentioned the, uh, I've mentioned this in the past before about how, you know, we do a story on all these guys that enter, enter the portal because it's news. It's news for us. You know, two out of the three guys yesterday, you know, nobody would have known about had they transferred, mm-hmm. you know, Jay Harris is probably the big one, right? but you know, and that amounts to something, but you know, without the transfer portal, we probably don't even know that Jay Harris transfers, you know, he just kind of mysteriously disappears from the depth chart. And that's that. And you're like, well, then you ask at a press conference, which will be in August, you know, there, there's this source of information that we know about that the, the transfer portal creates. And I think that's what kind of creates this, this aura and the situation of, it seems like a whole bunch of players are leaving when half the time you wouldn't even notice or even care. I mean, it's very common for walk-ons to leave. I mean, um, it sounds cool until you get here and you put in all the work and you're, you're maybe going to get on special teams if you really work hard enough and are willing to sacrifice everything to be on that. Or you could maybe transfer down and go play somewhere or just be a student. I don't know. Going back to, to what Zach said, I know that, that Harris tweeted something on Twitter. So just the easiness of yeah. them posting it on that app and everyone being able to see it really kind of along with the portal and the availability with that kind of just adds to the 
the problem that, 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 that people think is becoming bigger, which has always kind of been a thing. Yeah. But also, would you rather have, you know, Jay Harris tweeting out, you know, I'm transferring, you know, being all cordial, or would you rather have Corey Sutton saying, hey, release, release me from my scholarship Good point. so we can leave, so I can leave. And then you put the coach in the situation of having to defend withholding a scholarship from a kid so he can leave. You know, it's just you're holding him prisoner. And the transfer portal just it, – it eased that problem of, of, of freedom of choice, if you will. Yeah. Next question is from Dr. J54. I moved this from the overtime because it relates to the portal, but he wants to know, what does the transfer portal actually look like? Is it like <laughs> the Star Trek city on the edge of forever, uh, a Stargate, a Doctor Who TARDIS, a big MRI machine? Is it a black hole? You go in, but nothing ever comes out. <laughs> I think of it as a Stargate. You walk through it, it seems amazing, and then next thing you know, you're in Lubbock, Texas. You know, I, that's probably a good place for a portal to end up. But you know what I mean? You're in Las Cruces. Uh, how did I get here? Or you're at Duquesne, which you didn't know you had football, but there you go. Have you seen the Lil Nas X music video? Uh, no. The one? The new one. The, the new one. No. Okay. So I'm going to give you a short synopsis of it because okay. this is in my head what the transfer portal looks like. The synopsis is he starts in heaven. And he pull he slides down a pole all the way to hell. So, in my mind, that's kind of what the transfer portal's like. I like it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If you haven't seen the music video, I'm gonna say don't go watch it. Just take my word for it. Yeah. Okay. When are we gonna make the the transfer portal Tinder app? That would really be. That'd be nice. I think we need to get on that. That is a brilliant idea. That's a great idea. Come up with that last summer. Was that what we did? Yeah. We talked about that on one yeah. of the podcasts yeah, a while back. Just, you can see, uh, I can see Coach Leach on there all day long, swiping right on everyone. You can help our team. You look like you'd be a good pirate. You look like you'd be a good pirate. <laughs> oh, my God. <clears throat> from Next question is from KNED. Since Chris Kleiman was hired, Coach Messingham has been the biggest question mark for fans. We have been promised that the offense is not we're going to run, 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 and then run it some more, but actually an intricate pro-style run-first offense that is formation and shifting savvy, and they didn't have to throw as much at NDSU. Between the newness and COVID, plenty of excuses for this. there are plenty of excuses for this bland play calling. With the most experienced quarterback he will have, should we see the real Courtney Messingham play caller? I hope so. I mean, they're finally getting the tools they want. You just got to have to run the offense. You got to have players at every level, you know, and, and there's some truth in the fact that they didn't have to throw it a lot up there. But um, I think you're looking at an offense that at the end of the day wants to be 50-50 run pass. It's just it's hard to be real balanced and, and keep people on their toes when you don't trust any of your receivers. And, and you constantly have to throw to your running backs and tight ends. You get um, a little bit more predictable based on personnel. And I think that's the biggest problem we've had so far is th this offense has become very predictable based on personnel. And I think we see it as they get later into the season and people have more on film. They can say, hey, they put in this package. They're probably going to these type of plays. And it's something they're going to have to learn to avoid. And, and honestly, at this level, you have a lot more eyes on film. Um, more experienced eyes on film, and those things get picked up pretty easily. So um, 
I hope to see a little more diversified offense. I really do. But they've also discovered they don't want to run the quarterback at this level. But some of these defensive fronts are so good, that extra man doesn't make the mistake you need him to make uh, in picking up a running back. And they go get him, so they have to even it out by running the quarterback and get the odds back to 11 on 11. I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing that this team wants to run the ball, though. I mean, it's not like they just have the best freshman running back in all the country. So I think it is important to, you know, you, you, you talked about personnel fits, but when you have personnel to run the football too, I mean, that's what they want to do. They've talked about wanting to run the football and it's worked for them in the past. I think the whole entire season changed when Skylar Thompson went out last year. And so that threat of throwing the ball off of an RPO, off of play action, just pretty much went out the window when you had a quarterback who all intensive purposes could not push the ball down the field. So they want to be 50-50, yes, but I seriously wouldn't be opposed to them being a more run-first team, especially in the, the little we saw in the spring practice on Saturday. There was a play where they shifted Malik Knowles from out wide to the running back position and ran like a, a double option and ended up giving him the ball and he had a run or whatever. And I don't know if that's something that we're going to see uh, more in the season, but if you can find a way, I've, I've always said, if you can get – the best players on your team, the football, you're going to have a chance to win. And right now, I think Deuce Vaughn is the best player on the offense, and he just so happens to be a running back. I agree. I mean, look at Harry Trotter last year. Why didn't they give him the ball more? So I think there's still there's still pressure on Messingham, and people are really not going to be fully satisfied in, until the offense really gets going. That's all I got to say. Next question is from Yo Mama. If Baylor can do it, so can K-State. Change my mind. I'm not going to. Stay tuned for tomorrow's or later today for the daily delivery. Um, Yeah, I I totally agree. And um, I I think it sends a message to all Power Six programs that it's in play. I mean, they were dead. They were dead in the water. That, That program was all but shut down. They were basically given the death penalty, except you could still play. I mean, they were just walloped with sanctions, and they should have been. Um, it took him five years to get it going. I think what's notable about it is uh, their down seasons were still winning seasons. I think if I recall looking at the stats in the the last 13 years of his season, he has three losing seasons in Big 12 play. And, mm-hmm. and the worst was, boy, I'm trying to remember now, season six, I think they went five and whatever in the conference. And I mean, that's by far the worst. You know, the only losing season in recent history was an eight and ten, which around here means you're about ready to hang a banner. <laughs> you know, you just have to be consistent. You have to have a vision for your program. And and I think what we learned from this is it this is a remarkable thing Scott Drew's done. He was a punchline, guys. Do you, are you old enough to remember when everyone made fun of his coaching? Yeah. I'm not. Everyone in this conference made fun of his coaching because he coached his own defense because it was easy to coach. And they really never looked very developed on offense. It was just kind of relying on athletic. He did a good job of going and getting guys. Well, now they're running really crisp offense. They're running man-to-man defense. That was absolutely unbelievable against Gonzaga. You could tell they had never seen anything like it. Mm -hmm. You could tell. 
They had feasted on easy pickings for a long time this season, including through much of the NCAA tournament. Well, we decided USC was their toughest test on paper. UCLA was their actual toughest test. But, I mean, at the end of the day, those those teams aren't going to win a national title. When they ran into someone really good, they they lost to him, and they're really good because Scott Drew, as he grew as a coach, understood exactly what he wants to do, what he wants to do on offense and defense. But more importantly, he recruited to that. He doesn't have a true center. He has athletic guys that can guard the post and rebound and block the shots, and then he's got a bunch of freaks that know how to score and create shots. And he's recruited them. He's got them out of the transfer portal. He's probably stolen them from other programs. Who knows? It's a private school. There's no FOIA to get your Freedom of Information Act emails or anything. I mean, there's some questions about how he did it, but he did it, man. He knew what he wanted to do, and it took him a while to put it on place, and it did click. You just got to be fortunate. What if one of these guys had said, you know, I'm not coming back after the pandemic. I'm, I'm just going to go to the league. They came back because they were bought in. They had a vision. The coach provided them with a picture of what he wanted and how they were going to do it, and they were bought into the plan. They were part of it. Now, I don't want to hear that K-State can't recruit enough, any more good players because everyone won't get the ball. That worked at Baylor. I mean, they got three guys in the backcourt that are probably going to play in the league. Got another, you know, a power forward whose pure role is to do all the dirty work. Score about four points a game, you know, defend, pass, do all those things, those glue things. That's your role. He should probably be a tight end in the NFL um, because he's not going to be a basketball player, but he's freaking awesome. So I, I just love the way he put together his team. And it's... You know, you just got to recruit to what you want and know what you want and how you're going to get there. It's all about planning. I'd argue you can swap Baylor out for Gonzaga, too. If Gonzaga can make the national championship game, why can't K-State? Yeah. It's basically the same amount of circumstances minus the, you know, Even more what happened so. at Baylor. But Even more so. You're not in a major conference. Right. You're out on the West Coast where nobody cares about you. I mean, at least ESPN cares about Gonzaga to put you on ESPN at 9 o'clock, you know, the third game of the night, you know, whatever it is. But, you know, you, you, know, you basically have to go undefeated if you want to try making the, the NCAA tournament. And you got to win your conference. You know, you might get a little bit of a rub for being Gonzaga if you don't win it, you know, making, a, you know, making it as an at-large. But nothing's a given out in the West Coast Conference. Only thing I'll say is if Coach Alvin Brooks III, as an assistant, can go win a title, I mean, he was here, what, four or five years ago? Mm-hmm. Why can't we do that, K-State? Uh, I I admire him for knowing what he wanted in his career and that mm-hmm. that fit him yeah. better. Yeah. And also going back to the point of the recruiting, I mean, they've gotten Montavious Murphy and Marcus Foster, Thomas Gibson, you know, Wanda, who's in the league right now. They've gotten those players from Texas, so there's no excuse about being in, you know, the middle of, of Kansas that you can't get those guys. You can get them. There's no, there's no reason not to. I think something else that we need to talk about with Baylor is the fact that they are in the Big 12 in a conference that's been dominated by Kansas, and they have – competed with Kansas the last few years been better than Kansas you know I don't if you 
were to look at the overall records, I think there's a chance, at least for the past three years, that Baylor might be better than them overall. I don't know for sure, but Baylor's done this in a conference with a traditional blue bud like Kansas, and I think that just goes to talk even more about um, the whole, if Baylor can do it, so can K-State. So Kansas is a very important um, mention when you when you talk about this because they are the power traditionally of the Big 12. Well, let's, with that, let's move on to the next question from K-Ned. With history as your guide, do you really think the NCAA is going to come down hard on KU this time? Well, this is uncharted territory with this whatever this new committee yeah, or whatever whatever, whatever it is and, and that, my theory is the reason why the ncaa isn't acting on any appeals like oklahoma state is they're waiting to see what this group does with this penalty so they can line up their infractions so it's equitable across the board i don't know what's going to happen let's know this I, I you can hate ku all you want but this isn't fair the way this is dragging on is preposterous I mean, you don't want them to hurry. You want them to get it right. But they don't like look like they're in any hurry. There's no urgency. There's and This is absurd how long this is taking. You could put together a murder trial. I think we're seeing that somewhere in the United States right now. I mean, you could put together a murder trial much more promptly than they're putting together an investigation of... Rule infractions, serious rule infractions that need to be addressed. Either this is a this is a seminal moment for the Big Twelve or for the NCAA. They have to enforce their rules. If they don't come down on Kansas and Arizona and LSU and these programs that were at the forefront of the cheating, then why bother? I'll say it. I'll be blunt. If they don't punish Kansas and they basically say, ah, it wasn't that big a deal. Fire Bruce Rebel and get a cheater in here right now. But if they uphold the rules and hammer Kansas and say, we're done with this. And like I said, we're going to have a moratorium on any penalties for six months. So you can self-report everything and we'll go lighter on you. Then Bruce Weber's a perfect coach. If, if they're going to enforce the rules and make you follow the rules, K-State's got the right guys. If they're going to let places like KU skirt the rules, dance around them, live in the gray, not even really live in the gray, they reach out into the dark areas where you know you're not supposed to go. You're not supposed to talk to shoe people about getting them players and you know knowing that they're getting paid. You know the players shouldn't be paid. Adidas didn't. Didn't deceive you. It's just crazy. Yeah. They have to do something. They have to, and and it's beautiful that KU self-imposed a larger penalty. If they get nailed with huge infractions, they can't fire the coach. Or if he's suspended, they have to still pay him. What an idiotic move that was. What makes you think that the NCAA is actually going to enforce the rules, though? I have no faith in the NCAA to do anything right at this point. I really don't. But but it's a new committee. It's a new committee. That's what we don't know. It's not actually the NCAA. It's a collection of of, uh, administrators, I believe. Uh, I I don't know, man. I, I just don't know what's taking so long. Unless there's so much that they have to go through. I've got the gallows built. They've been on a belt back there for a long time. 
I mean, the the real the real question is if it wasn't Kansas. Would they already have come down with a punishment? I mean, I don't exactly. I'm pretty sure that the Oklahoma State thing that was bef- that was that was after all the Kansas infractions were announced, and that decision was made rather quickly. So, if it wasn't Kansas, would they would they have been announced already? I mean, I think part of me wants to think that just because the name Kansas, they're looking at it longer, and they are si- sitting in a room somewhere deciding what they're going to do, and if that's come down hard on them, like. We all think that they should, or if that's just give them a slap on the wrist like we've seen so many times before. I just think a lot of it has to do with the name Kansas being on front on being on the front of the jersey. Could be. But whatever precedent they set here with this decision by the new committee is going to last. It it everyone will have an ability to then to say, Well, hold on. They have five level one infractions and this is all they got. You gave us more severe for less severe. It's time to go to court. And that's the last thing the NCAA wants to see from member institutions because the NCAA is only a collection of its member institutions. And if they rebel, they're done. And it's getting there real close. We'll see what what happens. I don't know. I thought you were talking about the band Kansas for a little while. And I thought, yeah, they're a good band. But if they're cheating, if they're stealing someone's music, they should be in trouble. I don't know. We'll be back on the other side of this break with more of your questions from Wabash Station. Hang on. we got more good stuff. The PowerCat Podcast will be right back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. We now send it back to the PowerCat Podcast. Welcome back to the PowerCat Questions Podcast, brought to you by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Get into the fridge whenever you're in town. I hope you come to town this summer, and make sure you stop at our segment sponsors, Tanner's and the High Low. We continue our questions from Wabash Station. One of the benefits of being a VIP at GoPowerCat.com, and if you're not a member yet, well, come check us out. For a month, you can pay one buck and get a nice little test drive and see if you want to stick around. I know we're heading into the slower season, but uh, we're still going to have lots of coverage. Zach, are you still in charge of this ship? Yes. Okay, turn us into the the bank, captain of the Evergreen. Oh. Oh boy! Uh, from WTD WTDD two thousand one. Are you stuttering? Uh, I'm trying not. It's very hard to say. <laughs> it's a it's a tough abbreviation. I will admit. When the dang day two thousand one. How big of a mistake? Holy! Is, hold on! Is, whoa! 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 What? 
I never put that together. <laughs> what? We've, we've said that. I don't listen to you I guys. I swear I've said that. Oh, man. Even I knew that. Oh, my Ugh. God. We now resume. Wow. It's a regular programming. Oh, my God. <laughs> How big of a mistake is it after all the talk about revenue to not have alcohol at football games? It's huge. I like going out at half, but it's better for the department. I don't I don't get this one at all. As I said in my my takes, if you're a member, you you got to read those the reactions, my reactions to Gene Taylor's quotes on his latest Ask the AD video. I don't get it at all. I mean, at least it wasn't a no. It was a we're still talking about it. It was. It seemed like it was up for discussion. But why is it a discussion? It shouldn't be a discussion. I think this is a, another case of the squeaky wheels are holding up the train here. I mean, I think there's some people, please don't sell alcohol because my kids will be there. Look, if you've got a rowdy drunk, get an usher. I mean, that that isn't the goal here. That shouldn't be. This isn't. Buck night at the K. I mean, there's nobody from Raytown with their pants off two rows in front of little Johnny. <laughs> I mean, these are K-Staters. Sure, there'll be issues. But, folks, I got to tell you something. In the second half, they've gone back to their vehicles at halftime and hammered 12 beers. Mm-hmm. The, the biggest benefits to this I see are, one, and I do think they're tied together, the revenue increases in the stadium. You don't have the inconvenience of having to go out. You can go ahead and have a beer and enjoy the game. Two, people leaving at halftime and not coming back is a serious issue, particularly in the student section. Yeah, that's what I was going to talk about. We'll get back. We'll get to that. Yeah, in the next I question. mean, this is a big problem that they need to address, and apparently we'll talk about it real soon. But I, I don't understand why they're now building bars inside the stadium. I mean, there's been one on the west side. Now there's going to be one on the south end. There's one on the east side. But the one on the south end is a legitimate sports bar. But we have to discuss whether or not we're going to have alcohol in the stadium. Basically, what you're deciding is not whether you can have alcohol in the stadium. Folks, it's whether the little people can have alcohol in the stadium. It's whether the common folk can have alcohol in the stadium. That better not be forgotten here. You're allowing your big donors to pay you to have special seating so they can have booze. But the guy who has dirt on the back of his neck and spends his money to bring his family to the stadium every Saturday from western Kansas can't sit down and have a beer inside the stadium? Come on, man. I, I don't I don't know. I think it's ridiculous that I, I, I hate. I've always hated the the reentry policy because I feel like you're right. People leaving. I mean, how many times is it going to be a close game at halftime? If K State's going to start the game, say they lose the coin toss and they get the ball to start the game, and everybody's packed into the stadium, it's a great atmosphere. But then they have to come back at come back out and play defense on half t- after halftime, and there's just no energy because people are outside tailgating still, and they don't realize that the game's going to start. And I mean. As, as as stupid as it might sound, one drive can determine a football game. And if that home field advantage is not as it would be earlier in the game or later in the game, well, you're doing yourself a disservice. So I think it's about as much as keeping people inside of the stadium for the home field advantage as anything. I agree. I agree. 
See, back to the family thing. You know, if you go to games and you take your family, you know for sure that there's people around you that have been out in the parking lot slamming beers back. You know, it's not like it's going to change anything. It's just going to make it, you know, who distributes the alcohol? You know, is it when you pick it up and you come to the parking lot yourself or you can get it in the stadium? And, you know, keeping fans in the stadium at halftime is, is key. Keeping students in the, in the in the stands at halftime is key. You know, I, I think that there's that revenue stream. You're not going to change the environment that much as far as, you know, people drinking or whatever. It just it controls who's distributing it and it's going to make the athletic department more money. And and why are you going out to your car at halftime anyway? You know, you're going you're going to get a drink. I mean, there's no there's really no reason other than, mm-hmm. you know, you've done it before. And before, you know, all of the stadium renovations, you know, the West Stadium Center, concessions used to suck at K-State games. You know, you had to wait in long lines because there was only a few, you know, concession stands. Now there's tons of them. You know, there's plenty of more options to stay in the stadium. And, you know, be, going out to the parking lot has become almost obsolete at this point. And once you add the alcohol sales in, you know, it settles everything. If you're one of those people that doesn't want alcohol in the stadium, I'll tell you right now that I will be 10 times more drunk if I'm not allowed to get a drink inside because I have to get as drunk as I can before I go in because there's none. There's nothing to get there. So well, let's be you know honest. I mean? There's lots of alcohol in the stadium. Plastic yeah. flats, flats are going in in boots. People are wearing those hunting bladders on their backs. It's going into the stadium, mm-hmm. and maybe it still will, but this this fallacy that people will be drunk only if you do this is ridiculous. Believe me, as a drinker, I will find a way. And as a drinker, when I get that momentum going downhill, I'm not coming in for the second half unless it's one hell of a football game. Mm-hmm. I, especially when I've got a satellite on my top of my bus and i'm watching the game on a 48 inch is that a right size that's fine okay 48 inch high def tv in the damn parking lot the world has changed so much this is really a problem maybe you have a maybe you can leave during the first quarter you didn't bring enough diapers in for me you didn't bring enough something in and you need to go to the car. There's real legit reasons why you have, but maybe you just do it during the first quarter. I don't know. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm frustrated by this. I don't understand it. And I assume that the, the being studied is all legalities. They didn't have their lawyers put together in time, the waivers and every, all the, all the language you need on a ticket because folks, we love to sue everyone for everything. Moving on, Keenan asked a question. Why is alcohol tied to reentry? Why pass up the revenue from fans who can't get to their cars at half and no one else allows reentry, but no one else has K-State's parking revenue situation either? Some of those fans you won't get alcohol money from might stop paying donation money to park their car close enough to tailgate at halftime it's part of the, as it's part of the perks of the donation level. I don't think that's a big big issue. If that's all, if all, that's all your fanhood's about, then okay. Yeah. Well, okay. I mean, most of the people now in those lots are, a lot of them are high price seats or, or suites or loge boxes. 
I don't, I don't see it. I, I I understand what you're saying, but it should be tied together. I mean, it, I, I don't understand why you pay a big donation to be in the parking lot. That's where my disconnect is. If you're paying big donation to be in the stadium, how would not being able to leave the stadium make you less likely to spend that money? Doesn't yeah. I, I don't understand it. Right. In this situation, just as as to me anyway, this situation is as much about the students as it is anything else. And Zach, I know you said we were going to talk about that, and this question, I guess, doesn't necessarily relate to them, but I think the alcohol and the reentry part does because, I mean, students who leave at halftime are not coming back into the game. As a student who was in the student section for pretty much two years, one real year. Um, I can tell you that I was one of those kids who stayed in the stadium the whole entire time because I wanted to watch the game. But the people that show up five minutes before kickoff, you know, just absolutely hammered out of their mind, they're right. leaving at halftime. Right. They're going out and tailgating for the rest of the game and not coming back in. So you're not only keeping more people, but you're keeping the students inside of the game, and they they will buy beer. That is just the ultimate truth. When you are 20 beers deep – Seven dollars for a Bud Light looks a lot more appeasing than when you're two beers deep. What if you're cheap like me? I don't want to spend seven bucks on a beer. Well, I know you're cheap. Um, so we've got nickname now uh, Midnight Cole and Twenty Beers Deep Gilbert. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> you see, yeah, I think it'll it'll keep students in for sure. But you know, a lot of the reasons the students are going to leave is because they aren't 21 yet either. Mm -hmm. You know, when you have more than half the student body, that's not 21. Are they drinking in the first place? You know? And I mean, yes, they, they are drinking. They're just not getting it, you know, legally. And part of the reason is you got to go out to the, the parking lot and do it yourself. You're not gonna be able to, to buy a beer. I don't know if it, it solves the problem, but you know, no reentry will, will make people consider, you know, when they're buying their ticket and when they're going to the game, Hey, am I going to commit to sitting here, you know, for X amount of time, you know, with to watch to watch a football game. So, you know, th there's that argument too. It's part of the, the it, game days are a social time, though. That's the thing. I mean, I feel like the average K State student doesn't like K State game days for the actual football being played on the field. They like it for the social experiment. Well, if you go to a game and you say you did can't you say come back in. experiment or experience? <laughs> what did I say? You I said experiment. Oh, I knew what you are, meant. Are they okay. doing social experiments on campus? Well, you know what? I, maybe that's what the tailgates are. I don't know. Uh, I don't go out right, there. Go They're doing it for the experience. <laughs> Here we go. So maybe the experience turns from the tailgating to more of, of the football game. But I think a lot of that has to do with the talent on the actual football team and the football being played on the field. So there's a lot that go into it, but I think that a lot of the times the students make the game days more about themselves than the actual football being played. Well, the best thing about Bill Snyder Family Stadium is the student section. There's just no doubt about it. I mean, it, students don't have that access in other places. You've got a whole side of the field that belongs to you, and it's a lot of seats. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a really enormous amount of seats that are committed to students. So seeing them leave at halftime and not come back is troublesome for the athletic department because, in theory, if there was enough fans, which is an issue with Kansas State, it's not a huge fan base, is could we fill some of those seats with full-price ticket-paying fans? I could almost see them at some point 
taking that, oh, I'm getting my directions here, northeast corner, kind of over the corner where the band sits, but that, that kind of weird section that's beyond the field there. Well, they really kind of did last year. That was you, you, when you'd look at the stadium, you could see people that were, they're not students. Yeah, well, there. I could almost see them putting in another type of suite type thing there. Oh, kind of to mirror the other corner? Kind yeah, of. to do something over there to, to get more value. If I'm Gene Taylor, I'm looking at this, and as of last week, they had sold 80 of 81 suites. I'm literally walking into the stadium and going, okay, where are we going to put some more? That's where the money is. Where are we going to put some more? Are we going to go into the, you know, maybe the west side of the stadium and put mid-level suites in, which would be kind of badass. Outdoor seating, you know, be really nice if you're behind those suites and and uh, could you know have nobody seated in front of you. What what all? Where all can we generate money? Because folks, it's not about attendance. Attendance really doesn't matter. What is K-State student section? About 10,000? 8,000? It's huge. Yeah, it's huge. By students, by most standards around the major college basketball, that's enormous. But there's hardly any income related to that. Mm -hmm. And so it's about maximizing the amount of income you can have out of the year's signature here. That's why when KU was talking about building 65,000 seats, I'm like, why the hell would you do that? (laughs) Build... Enough seats to to fill with your fans that can't afford something better because we are so spoiled, and I'm including myself in this, so spoiled and soft now. If we can afford anything better than sitting out amongst the peeps, we're going to do that. I mean, if it's a VIP area with a bar area. One time I've been to sporting. I, I did in the VIP. I did the club area. Well, first of all, soccer fans are a lot skinnier than me, apparently, because I didn't fit in my seat very well. <laughs> but, um, you know, I could watch the game. I had a bar. It was good. Yeah. So that's you're trying to not just capture your rabid fans that want to come every week. You want to capture the passive fans that will say, hey, my company has a suite. I will go to the game. And thus the company feels compelled to continue to buy that suite year after year after year. So if I'm Gene, I'm walking into that stadium saying, what areas of the stadium are we not using to its fullest potential, and how can we do that? Because we need more suites, and and we need to look look like everything belongs. We mentioned it, and when we were in there on a Saturday, that South End looks like it's been there the whole time. It's remarkable. It is seamless. It looks beautiful. It just ties right into the stadium. Can we do this in other areas of the stadium where we can have seating that's non-conventional that people can have their own area in and have a suite? Can we get 20 more suites, 10 more suites? Because that's a lot more money than those seats will generate. To bridge the point here, you know, college sports now is about revenue generation. That's all it is. And with, you know, back to the whole reentry thing, you know, they're not generating any revenue if you're out in the parking lot. And I, I would argue that K-State and probably college sports in general has lacked, lacked and, and lagged uh, behind, you know, their professional sports counterparts and trying to generate revenue. You know, you look at K-State, you know, concessions, beer, you know, merchandise, whatever else. There's not a lot of places to buy stuff. You know, and now it's about getting fans to the stadium and it's not about attendance. It's about revenue. 
It's about how much can each person spend, essentially. And like you said, Fitz, suites are, you know, the number one generator of revenue for, for college sports right now. And then how much money can the other fans spend? And that's kind of what the reentry point is getting down to. This gets back to one more thing in the fact that um, now it sounds like the indoor practice facility and practice fields will go across the street at Kimball. And, and looking at it, they're going to tear down a lot of ag buildings to do this this plan, as I saw. And the, the plan that was posted that I saw, there's alumni condos there. People can buy condos. Are huge. I mean, that's enormous. Originally, those were going to go in the parking lot, but Coach Snyder rightfully said, We're not going to have condos that look into our practices. <clears throat> um, that was just insane. But that still leaves the eyesore of the East Stadium structure. And my ongoing idea that they should build the offices for athletics over there, get them out of the football building. You're Football is growing, and the number of people on football staffs, unless it's reined in by the NCAA, is only going to increase. Give them back the other floor. You know, make more meeting room, whatever. I'd still love the the idea that John Curry had. I don't know what they're doing with the space now, but it was the visual. Basically, it was a room where you could put on a virtual reality hat, you know, goggles, and go experience running onto the field as a recruit. So you could see one on game day and kind of experience what it's like to run onto the field. So those type of things. Give them all the advantages they need in recruiting by giving them more space in the veneer complex. And on the east side, build the offices for athletics and a K-State Sports Hall of Fame on one side and a Bill Snyder Hall of Fame on the other side and charge tickets to go into those places. How much revenue can you create? Zach's exactly right. You've got to find ways to sell the the product you have, whether it's on the field or in your history with the Hall of Fame. Next question is from WTDD2001. That stands for uh, what the damn dummy. <laughs> you tried. Does the Texas Rangers game being, <laughs> being almost full for a regular season baseball game debunk the fact that fans won't come back when games are back? And when numbers are even COVID numbers are even more down because of vaccines. I don't. I mean, it's opening day. I mean, I don't think that's a good snapshot. It's opening day, and it's also at a brand new stadium that yeah. was supposed to be open last year, but they couldn't do it. it it's kind of like a one-off to me. Of like, hey, you know, it's but, one. T- it's it's only once, and you've got, you've been good little boys and girls. We'll let you do this one thing, but we're going to go back to normal after you have your your little fun. I guess. It's not. It's go back to abnormal. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, all Zach's right. I mean, and I don't think we can learn anything from this. Uh, I'll be honest, and some of you will be pissed off that I said this. What we're going to learn, if it's not a super spreader event, if we don't see a big spike in cases of people that went to the game. I mean, I love it when people are willing to be the experiment themselves. I mean, I, I don't remember having big spikes after other things that have happened. I mean, will will Baylor have a big spike? Because the, the, ironically, the students charged the football field and they won the basketball title. <laughs> hey, hey, folks! Uh, if if K State ever wins a national title in basketball, I know, go with me on this. They they'll charge Aggieville. That's a lot cooler than charging your your football field. 
They really like running on the football field. They really do. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest here. Those kids don't get it cut loose enough. <laughs> they just they just were allowed to dance. You've seen the footloose. Anyhow, um, I, don't, I don't know where I'm going at this point. I, all I'm saying is I, I think uh, we have a lot we can learn from this, what the Rangers did. And I bet you a lot of Major League Baseball is watching this to see what happens. Did Were there cases? Did there Was there a blow up here? I mean, honestly, folks, we kind of need to know these answers. We're told to trust the science. Well, hey, 50,000 people in Texas just volunteered for an experiment. Now, let's hope it doesn't go the wrong way and it spreads all over Dallas and Texas. But what if it doesn't? Maybe we can get back to things a little bit quicker. Just go get vaccinated, folks. Believe me, it'll take a big weight off your shoulders. Ironically, the second uh, stadium that is allowing the most uh, attendance-wise is the the Colorado Rockies, which is in Denver, Colorado, which is, if you're looking at uh, colors on a political chart, I would say it's pretty opposite of where the Rangers play. So to me, that should say just as much as what the Rangers did. And I think that if they sold out their 40% attendance like they had in for opening day for the Colorado Rockies, people will come back to games. And I think that every single limited capacity opening day, 10,000 people, however many fans were allowed, I mean, people want to go to the games. People want live entertainment. People are going to go back to sporting events. People are so desperate they take dead entertainment. He's just laying there. We paid 20 bucks. We got to stay. <laughs> Um, I, it will be interesting. I think there's a, there's a feeling across the United States as more vaccines are rolled out. Let's get back to normal. And that includes sports and, and folks like K-State athletics officials are going to have to weigh this. This is going to be a burden. This really is. Kansas's mask mandate's gone. Now it's up to the county, you know, or the city, yeah. whatever it is. And thus K-State. So there, I mean... We'll see. We'll see what happens. But I'm I'm kind of glad the Rangers did it. Um, we'll find out. If they consistently sell out their 40% capacity from here forward, we'll know that there's more demand. And I bet you it goes 50 and then 60, and we'll start seeing it creep up. I think Sporting KC is going to be 50% when they open up. Because I saw a chart that they, they sent out that it's like every two seats on each row. So it looks like it looks like they're going to be at least 50 you know, when the start season starts here in, in April. So stuff that's kind stuff's of nice. increasing. Because you know? according to my experience, I need two seats. <laughs> if they could take out the, the barrier in between the seats, because that would be really uncomfortable. <laughs> you need to sit up at the bar on a bar stool. That's what you need. That's my area of expertise. Last question of the podcast from WTDD2001. What are the odds of Kurt Warner coming to the bill and hitting the bill afterwards? Oh, yeah. He'll be throwing back shots with the Stallone brothers. What what is this? All of a sudden, Eric Stone Street's going to be like uh, going to have a club of famous people down on the sideline. Kurt Warner, the Stallone brothers, because they're related to Jake Rubley. What happens when Eric Stone Street gets relegated from being the the superstar? He never will. <laughs> He's ours. Yeah, but what if what if uh, what if good old Rocky just starts putting K State stuff on all the time? Oh, that'd be kind of badass. I missed that. I didn't know that. Yo, Willie. <laughs> well, 
That's a horrible impression. That's terrifying. It was horrible. Especially since I'm trying to do a facial expression on a podcast. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. And from everything um, that we've heard from the descriptions of him, he's he's a Dalton Schoen type. Maybe not as gifted as Dalton, but will do everything the right way and set a tone. And let's be honest, that wasn't being set enough in the wide receivers room last year. So I think there's a lot more here than getting increased catches. But yeah, weird. I don't know if Kurt's going to be out in the Ville. Doesn't he have a ton of kids? He's very religious. I don't think he'll yeah. be in the Ville. <laughs> I could see him coming to the Ville. Well, maybe to eat. But D- does this help K-State if they ha- get off to a good start, get college game day to Manhattan? Not because of Kurt Warner. Yeah, not- you don't think he would be the guest picker? No. No, I don't think he would want to if his son's on the team. Yeah. <laughs> Eric Stone Street would be. He always is. Eric Stone Street's the guest picker when they realize that, hey, we haven't been to Manhattan for more than 20 years, and, you know, maybe... And there's a big K-State game that we skipped over. Maybe we should put Eric Stone Street on because we're at USC and he's nearby. He wears K-State stuff. That happened. Stoney, we need more stars. I'm sorry, brother. We got to branch out here, man. We got some people working on it. Do you think we could trade for Jason Sudeikis? I, don't I would. Know. I don't know the what, one I'd take. I don't know what we'd trade, but. I don't know. Paul Rudd's pretty cool, too. He is cool. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not as sold on Rob Riggle, but, you know, hey. Nah, he's a KU fan. Why not? Well, I mean, they're all KU fans, but he's a really, really KU fan. Maybe that's why I'm not sold on him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let me finish this up with this. Uh, as we close the podcast, I want to get your guys' opinion. Does Baylor winning a national championship somehow diminish Kansas basketball? I say no. No? I think it does. 100%. I don't know if it diminishes them. It opens up the rest of the Big 12, I think. It finally... That diminishes it, them in my bar. It pushes, it pushes the league up a level because now it's not all Kansas. Now anybody can win, and we've finally gotten over the hump of... I mean, KU was the last national champion, right, in 2008? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's been bad. 13 years. Bad. That's That's bad for the Big 12, and I think, you know, the fact that KU dominated during that entire time... Until now, maybe they are diminished, but I think this, I see it more as the league opening up and becoming more competitive now that the Jayhawks aren't on top. But Gills, you're a Kansas City guy. You're around a lot of the cult. Mm-hmm. Um, they just have this air of superiority about them because of basketball. And how can you have that if you're not superior to the other teams in your conference? I'd say going back to earlier, it's all going to depend on what the NCAA does. If they don't get hammered or anything, then you know Bill Self's going to come right back and and be at the top of the league. But if they hammer him, then I think that Baylor winning is certainly a, a stepping stone to diminishing KU. But I, I I don't think I can say yes quite yet. I'd say this is the first step in that direction. But if nothing happens, then you know Bill Self is going to be back in a few years, and I guess you know not back, but you know have them back in you know the the top you know standing of the league. It's a good, you know, good first step, but we're not there yet. I don't, I don't know if they're ever going to be as good as Kansas fans want them to be. I think this severely hurts Kansas recruiting because no, the more this goes on, the the worse it gets. I mean, it just especially with with Baylor winning. I mean, especially with Baylor winning too, because now these kids that Kansas are competing for recruiting wise, Baylor is competing for them as well. 
I think Baylor is going to be a national power that is going to be around for a while. They might not mm. be a one seed every single year, but they're going to be really good. And they're going to be somebody that KU is going to have to compete with. And I think anytime there's competition, we've seen KU kind of fold. So I think this is a huge blow to Kansas. When KU's NCAA tournament streak finally ends, mm. I'll say they've been diminished. Okay. But until then, you know, yeah, I'm with that. And until until the NCAA puts the other foot down, you know, once the punishments come or if they ever come, once KU finally misses an NCAA tournament, because at least, you know, going back, North Carolina's missed tournaments in the past. You know, Kentucky's missed tournaments in the past. It's pretty impressive that KU's been able to cons- consecutively and consistently make NCAA tournaments since the 80s. Mm-hmm. I mean, my entire life, KU has never missed an NCAA tournament game or an NCAA tournament. They've missed plenty of games because they lose a lot. Well, I'm just going to say that um, I think it does diminish them in some ways, but I think Zach's got a good point. That until they really fall out of the tournament, they're still stringing together tournament after tournament. This has to suck for KU fans, the fact that your team lost in the second round to a team that Baylor beat, right? No, they lost to USC. They lost Technically, to Gon- Gonzaga beat them, and Gonzaga beat them. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, together. Yeah, I mean, you, you were out in the second round. You didn't go to the next weekend, and a team in your conference won it all. I'm just intrigued to see how this all plays out. I think people have overreacted to the contract. I, you know, it's a five year rollover. Same Bill Snyder had. Um, it's all about recruiting. It's all for show. It's it's comical because it's stupid for Kansas to do it. It's great for Bill Self, so I don't fault him at all. Him and his agent just absolutely mopped the deck with the KU yes. administration. And at the end of the day, it's bad for the university, which so many contracts are now. So I'll just accept it and smile and say, good job. You kept Bill, Bill Self for your life. Yeah, that's going to happen. <laughs> now, in the old days of the podcast, I'd close with I fought the law and the law won. But now we're just going to play our regular music because... We don't have rights to that song. (sighs) Don't want to get sued. Can't use the music. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street Publishing.